This is the More to the Story podcast with Dr. Andy Miller. We hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. Welcome to the More to the Story podcast. I'm glad you come along. And today we're dealing with a subject that is particularized in my denomination, the Salvation Army. But I believe that it has an impact and it, it has like ripples that not just come from the Salvation Army, but it's something happen, happening within culture in general and the church culture as well. And so I think there's a way that this will have an impact on other denominations. That's why I brought my friend, Dr. Matt Ayers, president of Wesley Biblical Seminary, in with us. Matt, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Because we're going to be talking about an issue within the Salvation Army. But at the same time, I think this impacts institutions like Wesley Biblical Seminary, other groups as well, other denominations. So my friends and other Wesleyan holiness denominations like Nazarene, Free Methodist, Methodist, all these type of groups, I think... We are seeing these type of same things happening there. So before I go too far, um, I just want to make sure to introduce one of our sponsors and the president of that organization. It's right here on my left. So, Matt, why don't you tell us a little about Wesley Biblical Seminary? Yeah, Wesley Biblical Seminary. Uh, Man, I'm a graduate from Wesley Biblical Seminary. We say WBS. And uh, became the president in April 2020. And Wesley Biblical Seminary is one of, you know, 250 plus um, seminaries accredited in the United States by the Association of Theological Schools, training pastors. And um, what makes us unique is our commitment to the authority and inerrancy of Scripture. And inerrancy is a big, kind of a big word with a lot of different definitions and nuances. Um, uh, but also the commitment to the Wesleyan doctrine of holiness Amen. and uh, and true historical Methodism and uh, the grand depositum of John Wesley's doctrine of entire sanctification that we believe the scriptures teach that God can actually change our very nature and character. Amen. And that's what the scriptures teach and that um, and that the scriptures are number one priority for us, which is part of why we're a biblical seminary and not a theological seminary. There's a distinction there. So, so yeah, WBS, special place. Glad that God's called me to be a part of it. And those who know I've left Salvation Army officership lately, when you hear Matt say that type of thing, you can understand maybe why I would connect myself to this type of institution. Because really, the the faith that Wesley promotes, the kind of the doctrines, the theology, yeah. are such that are incredibly consistent with what the Salvation Army is called to be. Well, and for me, it's game changer stuff. It's not just about salvation being a change of status. I was right. once guilty, now I'm innocent. But that God can actually change my very nature. He can turn me into a new person, a Amen. new breed, a new creation, and putting the emphasis there in what it means to be a Christian and a Christian community. And this topic right, has... Right. Direct, you know, correlation to and, and pertinence to what we're talking about today. In speaking of the topic, I'm going to go ahead and get into it because this is a key issue for us, for the church at large, all across the globe. And if you're not dealing with this now, it's coming to a church near you, I'm sorry to say. But here's kind of the big idea. There has been some mixed messages within my denomination, the Salvation Army. And I see this happening, this is being paralleled in other denominations as well. And here's what happened. Uh, the kind of, I'm kind of zero in on one issue, particularly one expression of it, with a, as a means for us to get to a better conversation. So we are really thankful. Matt, I just took you into my office and showed you my Articles of War, what's called the Soldier's Covenant. Right. Every Salvationist, who everybody who comes a soldier in the Salvation Army, signs an Articles of War, and that has 11 Articles of Faith and then a variety of lifestyle commitments as well. So what comes with that is one of those statements says, I will uphold the sanctity of marriage and family life. Now, what has happened is there is a new, what's called, now this is a funny term, O&R, Orders and Regulations for Salvation Army Soldiers. And basically, it is these principles that guide us and shape us as a movement and as members of the Salvation Army Church. So the general has gone through a process of updating the O&R, and in that O&R, amongst other things, it goes through the Articles of Faith, what we sometimes call our 11 doctrines, and it goes through these I will statements, like I will basically be a good steward, I will honor my body, I will uphold the the sanctity of marriage and family life, all those type of things. Okay, well, this new book comes out and addresses cultural issues, and it says that marriage exists between one man and one woman, or that that's the Salvation Army soldier's stance. Right. Now, what happens with that is that when this has come out, it has produced ripples yeah. all across the Salvation Army for people who have felt like, no, we're this really broad, inclusive church. And, of course, we do include everybody. We serve without discrimination. We welcome anybody into our sure, congregations. Sure. But we're not 
fully in on the LBGTQ plus agenda. Right. That's not like that's not what we're in. I can talk to you more about what I mean by that agenda in a minute. So what's happened is just as this was coming out, and I had the opportunity to actually preview this for my territory, the Southern Territory. I kind of looked at this document um, two years ago as they were developing it. And so I kind of knew this was coming. But then what's happened as after this book came out, well, a couple of things. One, several territories where there is kind of a left-leaning progression. And I, I'm sorry just to use those terms. I think that that's the clearest way I can say things. Sure, yeah. I'm not, I, I could explicate that a little bit more. But here's what, I, oh, go, you want to say something? Well, there? I was just going to, we should all be charitable and, and filling in the gaps with what people are saying. And assume, right. that, assume the bet. So when we have to use these terms that could have certain negative connotations yeah. or like, like we should all just be charitable to say, this is what I think Andy means because I know Andy's a good guy. I'm not <laughs> going to assume the worst of what he could possibly mean with that. Right. Statement. Right. So I'm anyway. not calling people Marxists. I'm not right. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so, so anyways, this comes out. And so there's been some people who have seen the general statements and have wanted to soften that a little bit, right. or they've, they've, expounded on in a way that seems more open. So some territories have come through in that way. Then there's also been uh, when there was a kind of a launch party at our international headquarters in London. There was an event and they had it broadcast live or they put a video out and they did some other things to go with the kind of announcement of the new O&R. But when that happened, there was a photo that went out with mm. that announcement. And that photo had somebody, a Salvation Army officer with a face mask on and that face mask had a rainbow flag and that person also had a rainbow button on. Now, this is what I'm talking about with mixed messages. Also, there's been some videos that come out from other territorial leaders around the Salvation Army world kinds really, I would say, softening that message that came through clearly right. from the general and from the Salvation Army. And so I want to talk about that because I feel like this has been something that has been pushing around the edges for a while. And I don't want this to come across like this is like this judgmental, mean sort of statement. Yeah. I want us to get through this and recognize that when people are dealing with this, there is a definite sense of like sympathy that I have for this situation. Like people might have come to a place where intellectually they have moved to change their theology. And if that's you, like I want you to know, I, like I hear you and I'm sympathetic to what you're going through. And at the same time, like I know that you have a sense, people have a sense of belonging in an institution. Maybe yeah. you were born into it. Maybe you're like me, a sixth generation salvationist. Maybe, you, or you're in another institution. Maybe you're in the Methodist church or the Nazarene church and you've been influenced by some other voices. And now you think like your institution needs to change and all the institutions in your life need to change to accommodate your new theology. And I just want to like acknowledge, like that's a really tough place to be in. And I'm sympathetic with that perspective. And I want to just think through that, like how we can deal yeah. with these situations. And I, I want to encourage us just a little bit from scripture. My wife actually pulled this up in her reading. We do our devotions across the table from one another. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little bit behind her. I'm still on track to finish the Bible in a year, Old Testament scholar. But I'm in, I'm in the Psalm of, Songs of Ascents. Okay, yeah. So it's beautiful. But she's all the way in Jeremiah. And so... Songs of Ascents are some of my favorite psalms. I yeah. know. I'm glad to be sitting there for a while. Yeah. But in Jeremiah, there's this definite sense like that judgment is coming. And so for these people who are about to experience judgment in Jeremiah 6, it says this, 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. I think we're at a crossroads moment. Mm. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Ask for those ancient paths, yeah, right? Yeah. Like there's something, and obviously what Jeremiah was saying in that context is like look to the faith of your fathers. Like That's look right. to what happened as God led us out of Egypt. All these type of things. Look to those ancient paths. And I'm saying to the kind of evangelical Wesleyan movement, look to those ancient paths. Like look to God, how God has revealed himself through scripture. Matt, do you want to say anything about the kind of like this, this, this sympathetic perspective that we're trying to bring? Yeah, I think to me, thank you for all that. That was great. And uh, it's, it's a complex issue in so many ways, but it's a simple issue. Right. And, and I think the most important ways. Um, I'll come back to that comment. But in terms of sympathy, I think what I struggle with so much on this issue is that the church and Christianity and Jesus himself was interested in those who were on the out. Right. You know, he went after, um, he wasn't going and becoming friends with the, the power leaders and brokers of his society. You know, he was befriending tax collectors and yeah. sinners. You know, he was condemned for spending time with sinners. 
and not spending enough time with you know the Pharisees and the right those who were considered to be righteous. And so right. Christianity, since its nascence, and even before Christianity, this goes back into Judaism. I mean, we have a nation of slaves in Egypt, and we mm-hmm. have Abraham and Sarah who can't have kids. You know, um, people who are not the power brokers of society. Christianity is a place where we all come to the table as sinners. Right, right. And so it's it's supposed to be this place that's inclusive yet exclusive, inclusive in the way that all are welcome. Right, all, right. All can come. You know, uh, Paul, great theologian, you know, pointed out that, you know, slave and free and Greek and Jew, we're all made of the same stuff. We're all on the same plane Amen. as human beings. And so the church in our very culture and our essence and our DNA is a people that reaches out to those who are on the outside. Right, And so right. if you have a place here, you know, Isaiah right. 55, the eunuch will not be cut off. He will have a place in the kingdom. And so what's, what's, what's troublesome about this topic is that so many that struggle with the sexual identity um, uh, issue, let's say, they feel like they're on the outside right? because right. they're a minority and most people are heterosexual and there's taboo surrounding it. Right. And um, there's, there's cultural shame that comes along and that right, shifting right. and changing. That's something I'm happy for. We should never give people a hard time because right. of their sexual orientation because we shouldn't be, we should be charitable to all people right, regardless right. of what the issue is. And so people who have felt like they've been on the outside um, now coming along for, as, as a church to say, you don't belong here either because of this right, issue. Right. That, that's so hard. Right, and right, so right, at, right. At the same time, I said a moment ago that the church, um, Jesus included and Paul included, is both inclusive yet exclusive. Right. Um, because it's not just love. It's holy love that is the character of God. And there are boundaries. Yeah. And the morality of God is really important. There's so many issues that come into right. play here. But that's what I struggle with the most. Yeah. Is that people who feel like they're on the outside, yeah. that they feel like the church that's supposed to be a place right, of refuge right, right, for people right. on the outside side are saying, I don't know if you have a place here. Yeah, and yeah. I know there's probably people who are listening to this podcast, who are watching this video, <laughs> and you're probably like aware, there are people who are experiencing like sexual temptation, sexual temptation, like we're an equal opportunity critiquer of all sins here at Wesley Biblical Seminary, right? Yeah. Like it's not just a same-sex attraction or same-sex behavior, but it also could be any number of sexual sins or any number of sins for that matter. Like we want to be able to critique that based upon the holiness of God as clearly as we can because ultimately like we want people to experience freedom now like even we're in that so if people are watching this and you're experiencing that you're experiencing sexual temptation we want you to know we care about you in this moment like and we want to offer something and like we want we know like in friends of mine like very very clearly are engaged in those activities some have though stepped away and even though they have those impulses, they're able to have victory. And I think that that's one of the messages that we have at Wesley Biblical Seminary. Matt said when he was like talking about Wesley, is that we affirm the same thing that my denomination says, that it's the privilege of all believers to be wholly sanctified, that their whole spirit, soul, and body can be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we believe that. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking about conversion therapy, and I encourage you to go back and look at um, or listen to my podcast with Dr. J- Janet Dean. It's on my Captain's Corner podcast. You can find it on my website. And we talk about that. It's kind of strange that people at this point would make these strong stands, like Salvation yeah. Army Territories have said, you can't do this therapy. Well, like, when else do they enter into right. therapeutic options right. for clinicians? But it's a little fun. But that's not what I'm talking I'm talking about the fact that we can all <laughs> – we have the opportunity – to live beyond sin, to experience the freedom that God has for us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the church, I forget which, I don't know if it was a church father or Augustine or someone, the church is a, is a hospital. Right. We're all here because we know we have a sin problem. I think what becomes, becomes particularly uncomfortable about the sexuality issue is that, um, you know, I'm in church because I have a disease of sin that Jesus is healing me of. You know, as a Wesleyan, we'd say, you know, different people have different views on, no, you've been healed and it's done. I'm, I'm more of a journey guy. I think that there, there are crises. But this isn't a conversation yeah, yeah, on yeah. different views of entire sanctification. And that we're all, let's say we're all in the church because we know we have a sin problem. We're suffering from this disease of sin and we desperately need God's grace. And we enter into a covenant. And that's, I love that you brought up covenant. We can talk about that. But yeah. we tend to look at the sexual issues, the sexual distortions, let's say. And I know that some would say, it's not a distortion. Right, right. This is how God this made me. It must be good. Me. And, and um, 
I have to say, on my own conviction, my own reading of Scripture. Right, not right. Scriptures that I, I believe that Scripture teaches that it's not, you know, what God's plan is. Um, but we tend to go, okay, sexual sin is in a different category because our identity is much more enveloped in the issue of sexuality. And that in our culture, and this is probably not just true of all, I'm not a historian, so I can't say of ancient Greek culture and all this stuff, but right. we, you know, there's all different things that make up who we are and mm-hmm. our identity. And um, I would say first and foremost, it's our relationships that make up who right. we are. And, and in this particular debate around this issue, there's an assumption, and I don't know that it's a good assumption, that our sexual orientation is the is the primary identifying factor to right, who we are. Right. And so when we come and say, okay, I'm sick, but my issue is a sex issue, it feels like we're in a different category or it feels like that, um, you know, there's just a higher level of blame or shame because it has to do with my sexual orientation. Well, our sexual orientation is not the most important thing about us. It, right, it is right, an important right. thing about us. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the scriptures teach that, that it is an, an important aspect of our lives and, and sexual sin is a, an issue to be treated and Paul dealt with and Jesus dealt right. with. Um, however, it's, it's, it's not the most important part about who we are. And so I think that's an important thing to diffuse, to, yes. to, to point out, to say, I think this is a falsehood. Sexual identity is important, but right. it's not the end all to who I am. Right. And so when someone comes uh, to say, you know, the scriptures teach this about what healthy God intended sexual identity and orientation is, um, it's not an attack on, on the heart of who you are. Right, at, right. At, at all. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a piece of the bigger picture that God is dealing with to heal us and redeem us and... Now, some people would say, like, okay, well, I found somebody, a pastor on YouTube who agrees with this more liberal version of human sexuality, so let me just live with that, and that makes me feel good. Now, let me just say, like, for instance, as related to biblical interpretation or biblical hermeneutics, broadly. To me, this is the issue. Right. To me, this is, yeah. And so, like, how we get, now, my little, this is just, we could spend hours on this, and maybe we should, Matt. (laughs) Maybe we should, and we do in our classes here at WBS, like, this is the type of thing we wrestle through. I want you to know, we're not saying, don't ask questions. We're not saying, don't explore, don't be challenged. No, like, that's what we do in class here, and that's what we do in our discipleship groups, that's what we should be doing in our congregations as well. Let's, Let's work through these questions. I was interested, Bill Loader, who's a New Testament scholar from Australia, he was in a debate with Robert Gagnon, I think at an SBL event, and I wasn't there, but I've heard about this from a couple different people, where it got to this place where Bill Loader finally looked at uh, Robert Gagnon and said, well, I think you're right. Jesus would not have affirmed same-sex behavior or same-sex unions or any, any sort of expression of that. And then he said to Robert Gagnon, like Robert Gagnon thought, well, great, I won the day. Yeah. But Loder said, I just disagree with Jesus. Yeah. And pe- right? Yeah. I dif- disagree with the Bible. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about and, here. It's like how we understand the authority of Scripture in our lives. And so where I, this is why this matters to the Salvation Army. And that's, sorry to interrupt. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's the deal-breaker issue for me. Right. That's what makes the difference between inclusive and exclusive is the view of Scripture uh, and orthodoxy because it's the cornerstone. Absolutely. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit more. Now here... Like, as we get into this, do not hear this as Matt and Andy are saying, you should just get out, right? Right, right. I want to point back to an article. I'm going to have a link for this in my show notes. It's an article I wrote called On Changing the Army. And interestingly enough, this was published in the Salvation Army's Officer magazine in 2015. Actually, the person who I believe was wearing the mask, so it's hard to know who's wearing a mask, is the editor of the officer who put this article in that officer magazine. That's just an interesting side point. But – um. What I point to there is like, okay, how do we think about change? Like, I'm one. People might be listening to this and say, well, Andy, don't, aren't you one who wants the sacraments to be reintroduced in the Salvation Army? I'm like, yes, and more's coming on that. I'm thinking of more to that story. I'm going to have a six-part series on sacraments in the Salvation Army. But why, do I, why would I say we need a change here and not on the sexuality piece? Well, it's what I call covenant-centered change. That every Salvationist, and this is true for other denominations, like every faculty member here at Wesley Biblical Seminary signs articles of faith, Great. an ethos statement of what we believe is an institution. And when we take the, the elements, when we eat the bread and drink the wine, we're signing a covenant Whoa, statement. Oh, now you're getting deep. Oh, I love and it. And like, that's, that's what it is. So like when we do this, in, in, in the Salvation Army- You're the Army, king, not me. We yeah, make this sorry. covenant-centered lifestyle yeah. uh, called Articles of War. Right. And when we do that, we've committed ourselves- to something, a way of living. It's like a rule of life, so to speak. And the very first article of faith says, we believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament were given by inspiration of God, and they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. 
So it's this connection, like what we understand God is doing in his revelation through scripture and how he's revealed himself to us, that is the basis for why we understand this. So what I say is that, now this is my, maybe I'm off in this, is that anything that moves away from that covenant, that's where we need to think, is this any longer the Salvation Army? Now some people might say, well, the Salvation Army is not practicing sacraments. That's been their tradition for 130 years, not for the first 20 years or so. But but the Salvation Army also is committed to the teaching of Scripture. That's the point. And, and that's the priority. Well, that's the priority. Right. And, and the order of these commitments matter. And if the priority commitment is we're committed to Scripture, and holy cow, we've discovered that we've been in, in disobedience, whatever the issue is, whatever the group. I'm not right, saying right, the right, Salvation right. Army is disobedient to Scripture. I just mean in general, if it's Methodist or Salvation Army or Wesley Biblical Seminary or me. Amen. Yeah, been, yeah, I, me too. I, I say I'm committed to Scripture, and I've come across this text, and I've realized with good interpretation, with the help of the Holy Spirit and the counsel of believers around me, that I've actually been in rebellion against God on this issue. Then I change because this is, you know, the sola scriptura, the authority of faith. This, this, is, this is where it's at, and, and that's the issue for me. And Jesus is the only one who can change Scripture, and he did change Scripture. You know, he abolished the food laws, you know, and, and, and this is a part of a conversation about what it means that the canon is closed. Right, and right. We have to we have to be reminded as a church that the canon is closed. Right. <laughs> like, yep. This is the faith once for all delivered to the saints. That's right. Like and, there and is a sense that like we don't get to have. There is progressive revelation. Sure you can is. correct me. Progressive revelation within Scripture on slavery, on women's roles, those type of things. But at the same time, there is not a progressive revelation on human sexuality. There's not. There's not. There's not that same sort of movement. My my great professor, Dr. David Thompson. I'm going to be talking about this in my preaching class tonight. Um, interesting enough. He says in the inductive Bible study method, which is what we use here at Wesley Biblical Seminary, I think it's something that really helps people get to the meaning of the words. The text means what it meant, and we need to do all that we can to figure out what it meant. But he talks about the canonical dialogue on issues like slavery, issues like women. women. uh, But uh then he says when you get to sexuality, you don't have a dialogue. You have a monologue. It's yeah. a biblical monologue. And so, like, I think that that's a helpful piece for how we think about this. Now, Matt, Matt, let me ask you this question. What do you think we should do? This is a hard question. What should we do when, like, for a pastor, a Salvation Army officer, Nazarene pastor, serving a church, and people decide who are part of the church, engaged in the yeah, church, yeah. maybe even kids, yeah. want to change? Like, they, they've, they've changed their theology. How do we deal with that? Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> I, I think that... There are certain things, I always look to Jesus, you know, what did he do in these circumstances? And Jesus came along and said, I'm going to change stuff. And the scribes and the authorities and the temple officials said, no, you can't do that. Um, and, and Jesus did it. But I think, and there are certain things Jesus takes a hard line on. Right. Uh, this is the way that it's going to be, period, the end. There's no conversation. This is a monologue. But I, I, I think um, it's a tough question. I mean, I think we always are always respecter of persons and courteous to all people, and we want to understand. Right. We want to understand what the real issue is, because oftentimes there's another issue at play, and I think we have to be spiritual discerners. Right. Uh, I think that's a huge part of this, where, man, I had, I wrote a Saturday, it was called Saturday Sermon for a um, a newspaper syndicated in Pittsburgh, and there was this guy that would constantly just write me and tear me down about what I was saying, and and I just wouldn't write to him back, because in the posture of his letters and his communication, uh, I sense this is not a healthy dialogue partner. This okay. is just someone who's just trying to tear me down. Right, right. And I'm only going to enter into a dialogue with if it's going to create light, not just heat. Yeah. You know, and so, but I could discern that in my spirit that this is a this is not a conversation to be had. Yeah. And eventually I wrote to him and said, look, he's, why aren't you answering me? Because I don't sense I need to. Mm, you know, interesting. I, and so I think spiritual discernment's a huge part of this. And I also think that we do it on an individual basis. Right, you know, right. I, I think this is really important that we're not, you know, talk to the person with the issue that's, that, that we're dealing with here because everyone is unique and has a unique set of circumstances. So if a, a 13-year-old in your congregation comes to you and says, oh, I'm really questioning my sexuality. Like, I, I think I'm bi. I think I'm... I'm a different gender. Like, okay, that's not the, op- we're not talking about that. That's the opportunity to say, you're gone. See ya. Oh, no, like, or even somebody who's like dealing with questions, man. Tell, like, tell me about when yeah. this started. 
tell me about your childhood. When did these feelings begin? Now, here's the thing. We're, now we're getting into psychology and yeah, psychiatry. Yeah, sure. and, like, and we can have training and but counseling. pastors do that. But I, I, that's a part of the, you know, the profile of a pastor. And I think pastors in this day, with these issues going on, should be thoroughly trained. And pastors, right. do your work. Do your homework. Go and figure out how to walk through with someone in listening um, to, to the issues that are at play. Praying with that person and trying to understand where they come from. But I think also following the leading of the Holy Spirit of to where to speak truth. Right. Because here's the thing. We do have truth. Right. We have truth. Now, this is what people disagree with. Like, of course, like, we're, we, we are making that claim here. Yes. And we're not saying that just Matt and Andy have it. What we're I'm suggesting about... is that we are part of the great consensual tradition of 2,000 years. We're not, like, saying we've invented the truth. God spoke. No. Amen. God spoke through, revealed himself through the scriptures, the Old New Testament. If that's indeed the case, and the church has been the guardian of that message, yeah. and the church has wrestled with what it means to interpret scripture through the years, we think it's possible to stand within the orthodox Christian faith. Like, there is such a thing, and we can enter into that truth. And we're willing to be corrected. I'm willing to be corrected on this podcast. Like, if people come and show us the truth, like, we're ultimately going to deal with that truth. But here's where, like, we hope you're sensing that what we're saying is like, okay, there might be some issues that come up, and particularly questions, maybe even adults who have questions. But if you've come to a place where you've analyzed the issue, and you say, no, I do not view Scripture as the authority for my life. You're like that scholar who said, yeah. I just disagree with Jesus. If you get to that place, that's the, that's the question. And, and that's what I feel. Maybe I'm wrong. But the general making this clear statement, and he, he, he's been on my podcast before, made clear statements. Leadership of the Salvation Army for, throughout our history have been consistent on this issue, on the issue of human sexuality. This is, a, by the way, not just revealed in Scripture. This is a pre-political, natural sure. law situation that we're dealing with, too. So if that's the case, like it comes to a position where folks who have kind of moved this, moved in a different direction, or maybe some like the International Doctrine Council put out a document, and that's our kind of group that advises the general on matters of theology. They put out a document that's called the Let's Talk series, and they had one that's like Let's Talk About Same-Sex right, Behavior. Right. Well, on that document, this is another one of those mixed messages, and if you're a part of writing that, I'm just trying to push back a little bit, Okay. They'll say things like, well, faithful Christians disagree. Now, this is, this is the hard point. On certain things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, what, what are the things we can disagree on, Matt? Oh, there's loads of stuff. Pers yeah. Perseverance of the saints. Right. Our, one saved always says, well, how do you define salvation? That's, that's one for sure. There's loads of scripture passages where we're like, well, Genesis 6, 1 to 4. I know great Christians who don't think that those are angelic beings, and I know great Christians who do think that those are angelic right, beings, sure. but I classify those as open-hand doctrines that don't impact salvation. Right. They impact certain nuanced interpretations of, right. of uh, ancillary parts of the text. And um, it, I say, okay, are you saying that some parts of the text are more important than other parts of the text? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, or mosaic authorship of the Pentateuch. Mosaic or like authorship a, of the Pentateuch. There's a, there's a whole boatload of things that we can disagree on. It's a true statement to say faithful Christians disagree Absolutely. on some things. On some things. There are things, though. But this is what ecumenical councils are. This is the, the creeds and the councils of the early church. We yes, come together right, and yeah. say, okay, there's people saying Jesus isn't God. That's a deal breaker. Right, We've right. been worshiping him as God since the day of his resurrection. Right. We, we worshiped him, and he didn't say, don't worship me. And so are we in error, or no, they in error, and how are we going to classify this? Because the guy that we're following, the founder of our faith, you know, this this is an issue. Um, mm -hmm. The Trinity, uh, the deity of Christ, the Trinity, the bodily resurrection, the virgin birth, all these things that are plainly taught in Scripture, that, that those things, they're deal-breaker issues. And same thing with what we're saying is, like, how we view the human body, what we're made of, like the complementary nature of the human body, okay. of male and women, uh, men, and, men and women, um, and the nature of human sexuality. So like this, is, maybe you disagree. Let's no, 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 I, I don't disagree. I think it's a little bit more complicated. Right, certainly in, is. In that, I don't think in all by itself that someone's view of human sexuality determines orthodoxy. But I do think someone's view right. of Scripture yes. determines orthodoxy. And I believe that Scriptures plainly teach, clearly teach, um, the traditional view, the orthodox, right, what right. I would call the orthodox view of human sexuality from a Christian perspective. And so to say... That's, I don't agree with that. You're rejecting the authority and inspiration of Scripture, which is a deal breaker. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now, okay, so the question then becomes, well, what other issues are those issues that are litmus tests for how I believe right. about Scripture? Because some people would say, well, 
if I, I, I don't have a problem with uh, women in ministry. Well, right. some, some of my wonderful evangelical brothers and sisters would say, well, then you don't take the Bible seriously, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you're on the out. You know, you're not orthodox. But I think there's more room for interpretation on that issue. Right. Uh, um, and most, most people who would affirm that view would make room for us, right? Absolutely. Like, like, and most people who, I mean, there are a few people who, and I've even heard people say, like, certain Calvinist doctrines are, are heresy. And I don't say that at all. I, I don't think pe- those people necessarily understand Calvinism. Like, and there are some people, too. I'm, I'll give up this example. Some good friends of mine who have grown up in the Salvation Army like me, they're generational Salvationists, and they've moved to more a Calvinist reform direction. And here's what's interesting. It's like they're not trying to change the Salvation Army. They've left yeah. the Salvation Army as their home church. Right. But at the same time, they still kind of participate in some of the cultural yeah. aspects of it. Like in their, their friends on Facebook, they care about the Salvation Army. They probably ring bells at Christmas time or something right. like that. But th- we're talking about something different th- than those type of changes. And I, I point people back again to my article. And also I want uh, called On Changing the Army that I talked about earlier. But also I want to point people to what's been going on in the United Methodist Church. And I have another podcast. I'll refer people back to an interview with Mark Tooley from the Institute for Religion and Democracy where he outlines what's been going on in the Methodist Church for the last 40 years. Right. And it is eerily familiar to me right. because it's like it's like the Salvation Army is repeating exactly what happened right. in the Methodist Church, except we're just doing it 40 years later. We can learn from them right. on these issues. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, I said I – said you know, sexuality, our human sexuality is not the primary thing that identifies who we are, but it is a huge thing. Right. And, and that needs balance to like, I don't want to undermine the fact that our sexuality, is be- and the reason I say that is because human sexuality and biology has a central role in scriptures. And there are things that scriptures speak most strongly about. I mean, in particular, the issue of Sodom and Gomorrah comes right. up. Right. So it, it is, it is the, the quintessential right. evil. I mean, right. And, uh, Richard Bauckham says it's a paradigm case for rebellion it's throughout para- Scripture. It's a paradigm case. So, like I say, it's not the primary thing, but it is a major thing. Yes. Which is why this particular issue is a deal-breaker issue, because the Scripture do speak so strongly. Right, and we could get into those details. Maybe we can do something about that later, like talking about Matthew 19, how we see Jesus affirming what happened in creation, the creation narrative. Right. We could talk about the, the sins that are listed in Scripture. And we think of sin as... Uh, the kind of classical definition where it's a willful transgression to a known law of God. Or we could also think of it as like Tim Tennant says, um, it is any area of our life where we reject God's presence. Mm-hmm. And that goes for me and you and yes. in our sexual lives. That goes in, in how we think. Like, are we rejecting God's presence? Are we right. saying you can't be present here? And this is why this is a critical issue, is it is a sin issue. And it, I'm, we're calling activity sexual activity outside of marriage between one man and one woman, that is sinful activity. Well, and I, th- I think, yes, and I think that something else that... Help, soften me up here. I probably need it there. No, no, no. I don't... No. I don't <coughs> excuse me. Not, not to soften that at all, but something else to, to keep in mind is, particularly with regard to institutions and change, yes. change yeah, yeah. within institutions, is that, you know, I look, I'm the president of Wesley Biblical Seminary, but Wesley Biblical Seminary is not mine. I'm the steward. Right. This is God's institution. I am just a temporary manager. Right. And I work for him. I don't work for me. And this is, and so that being the case, I have to really keep that in mind when these kinds of issues come up. Who am I representing and what is my job here? But also authority is a, is a major factor. And I think it's something that in our contemporary, you know, American Western culture, there's a couple categories there. Um, authority is something that, um, you know, we're, we are suspicious of right. because of a regular Abuses. abuse of an authority, mm-hmm. yeah, authority in history. However, authority is a real thing in the church, mm-hmm. and authority is a real thing in structures. God creates authority. He has authority. He, Jesus has authority. He says, I give you authority. So in the end, we have to remember that, you know, with, especially with regard to this covenant language, is right, that, right. look, I'm a manager of this thing, which means I have authority in this situation. Right. And we have to recognize that and embrace that and protect and guard Yes. I mean, Paul gets the most upset with false teachers, especially in Galatians. I mean, he curses them. Let yeah. them be cut off, you know, and, and he has very strong language because he sees himself as the shepherd guardian and these things that come in. Right, right. And, uh, and it, certain circumstances require different tones. Right, you know. Sure. And Paul, trusting his, you know, leaders, following leadership of the Holy Spirit, that was the tone he needed to keep, take to establish his 
authority. And I think that it's important for leaders of institutions to remember that authority and who they're representing and what the job is at hand. I think that's a really important aspect. We've uh, seen this happen in other institutions, too. Like, it's not just, like, Wesley Biblical Seminary and the Salvation Army. It would be strange if somebody came to us and said, All right, I want to be a, a, Wesley seminary, a Wesley Biblical Seminary student or professor, but, by the way, once I get in, I want you to change your understanding of Scripture. I want you to change your understanding of human sexuality. Yeah. Well, okay, it's kind of, and we, Asbury University, where you and I are both graduates, there are people, there's even movements and websites of people trying to yeah. get Asbury to change on this matter. So what is, essentially, like, this is a hard question. Like, if you've gotten to a place where intellectually you've worked through this issue and you've come out on the other side, I humbly suggest that you're the person who's left. Yeah. Like, you're, you're leaving this right. movement. You're, and I, it's a free country, free world. You can make that decision. There are other organizations where people can serve. I'm not saying get out. Like, again, we want to be welcoming. We want to talk through these concerns with people as best we can. But ultimately, if you've come to a place where you've said, you know, I don't affirm what Wesley believes. It's the covenant. Like, to be a member of this community, institution, college, mm. church, whatever, this is what we believe. This is what we've been asked to steward by God. You can sign it or not. And if right. we believe in the, humbly, but we believe in the sanctity of marriage, and I think that word sanctity is really important right, there. Right, we right. haven't talked too much about that. Because <laughs> yeah. marriage is such a normal, everyday, common, sort of mundane thing that we tend to, um, you know, common is profane. Right, right. But we don't think of it in terms of sanctity and it being holy, and it is because it's the fabric of society and it's a reflection of the Trinity and so all those conversations. And, and, and also, like the Salvation Army statement says, not just that it is sanctified, it is, a man. Like, I will uphold, uphold right. the sanctity of marriage and family. And that if, is a rich statement. That's a challenge. That means that it's not just for those who are married, right. but like every person in the institution is committed to upholding. This has a role for singlehood. This is a role for children. This means that there's a lot of implications on how we teach and what we do, and that's what we're ascribing ourselves that's to. That's the covenant. I mean, you can, you can enter into <laughs> I love the covenant. You're pushing me back to covenant. I love it. It's yes, yeah. You can enter into it or not. And again, that's not said with a coldness or a harshness. It's said with a, with a, out of respect and um, honor for people as having their own free will and making the decisions that they want to make. But if this is the covenant of what it means to be a part of us, mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't match you, then, then you're being dishonest to sign it. Right, and, right. And, and there you have fallen into moral failure. You know, there's the, the integrity problem. Wow. Is, is on your behalf. And, and, and you have to deal with that on your own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, man, it's a, it's a it's tough. It's an intense issue. And, like, it's, I think it's worth it for us to work. And I think you can even sense if you're, you're watching this, like, well, you, of course you're watching this if you're hearing me right now, uh, that there is a tension that we're expressing because we don't want to be like this – just get out if you disagree with us. Like, that's not it at all. We want to work through these questions, but at the same time, we want to uphold what marks an institution. And biblical fidelity and, like, our understanding of the authority of Scripture is key to what marks us as an institution. Actually, that's why I affirm the Salvation Army should move to embrace the traditional Protestant sacraments right. because of Scripture. That's, right. why, that's why I'm there now. That's a whole, yeah. whole other can of worms. Yeah. But, like, but, it, but the bottom line is that's the bottom line. Mm, I mean, it's that Yeah, simple. yeah. Well, and, and let me just say, like, all together, like, as we're working through this, I think we, we're saying this isn't one of those matters where faithful Christians disagree. Like, if we're going to be within the great tradition of what God has revealed from the scriptures through the great tradition of the church, like, this is, this is a different thing. And if, like, this is also one of those pieces that is a little touchy, but if this is an opportunity for people to think, you know, it might not be healthy for me to serve in this denomination. Yeah. Like, I, I recognize, like, there's a whole lot of baggage. Maybe you grew up wearing a uniform like me. Like, I had a – this thing is funny. This is how Savage Army is. I had a Savage Army flag on my crib in the hospital, okay? There are people – I know it's – and, like, you were – I became a junior soldier at seven, an honor junior soldier, a senior soldier. I play an instrument. I was a Salvation Army officer for 15 years. I wear a Salvation Army uniform. Right. Like, this is a big part of who I am. But my identity isn't marked just by the Salvation Army. Like, the Salvation Army is a pointer to spiritual reality right. of what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, I want to be aligned to that. Mm-hmm. And so, Matt, I wonder if you could even give like a, a word too, just again, about the, the opportunity for victorious living that we have. Well, I think that that's a, you know, I'm a Christian, well, for a lot of, because the Holy Spirit's given me the gift of faith by his grace. But what I've come to grow to realize is that um, 
God is able to step in and make changes mm-hmm. that he's that we're not born with and it just I, I don't use this 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 metaphor of being born with our circumstances in light of the conversation of well, you right. are you born with a certain sexual orientation right. but like I'm born with a proclivity to have a temper um, from mom and dad both sides mm-hmm. and and um, but I believe that I don't have to simply embrace and accept that condition that because of the bodily resurrection of Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that God can actually change my very nature. He can make me, in fact, more myself. Amen. Amen. (laughs) More of what he always intended me to be, that God actually has the power to transform the shape and contour of our hearts, meaning our desires and our will and our impulses and our reactions. And, um, and that is a crucial, I think, truth in this conversation. Absolutely. To reaffirm what you said, I'm not talking about conversion therapy. At least I don't think I'm talking about, I don't even know what that really means. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, I don't think anybody, I mean, only like psychologists really know what's involved with that, like who've studied that as a treatment. So I think that's why it's kind of funny that the way that we soften the general's message is to say, oh, well, we're against conversion therapy. Right. Well, okay, like we are, we're against things that harm people, right. yeah. But if it is offering people, and, now, and I, I don't know the details of what's involved with that type of therapy, but if we're asking people to live free from sin, to be able to not, like, yeah, I'm for that. I'm going to tell a quick story. When I was uh, 25 years old, I was serving a small Salvation Army unit in Madisonville, Kentucky. And if any friends from Madisonville are on, God bless you. I miss you. <laughs> but I, I was assigned, I got to take a group from the local prison, came and served for a day with me cleaning out a warehouse. And as we did that, I was scared to death because, like, it was just me. There was no guard or anybody. Yeah. I was serving with these guys. And then when it got to a place where it came time for lunch, and I, was, I started to work with them and loved it. And I realized they had this terrible-looking sack lunch. Yeah. So I took them to Kentucky Fried Chicken, oh, but man. then I realized we couldn't go inside. So then I went and bought the chicken. We went back to the Salvation Army Corps building. We sat down to eat. And as soon as I said amen, these guys were like just all over that food, yeah, man. Yeah, it was just yeah. crazy. And they were actually, this is crazy, they were like licking the paper. I mean, there wasn't a Kentucky Fried wow. Crumb left. It was like, it was all on. Like, but what I realized in that moment was that, and as I worked with these guys that day, is that they were not born. They were not made to be in prison. Uh-uh. Like they were made to be free. They yeah. were made to eat KFC, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say it. But they were made, if KFC wants to sponsor this, you're welcome to. But um, <laughs> anyhow, like they, they were made for, and like all, that's what we want people to experience is the freedom that God has made you for in this life. And that's the message of holiness. Now, that doesn't mean that we're able to experience, like, maybe we'll always, maybe you'll always have a proclivity towards anger. And we're not saying that anger and sexual are the same same category. Yeah, please hear us on that. Yeah, absolutely. Important point. And, And I think here's a key, key, key thing that as Protestants, we always tend to think of salvation as a status, a change in status. Mm -hmm. We're guilty. And now we're innocent, and there's no condemnation. And that's true. Good biblical metaphor. But the dominant biblical metaphor, in my view, and some would disagree with this, Come on now, Matt. I know where you're going. Salvation is a love relationship. Amen. And there is a satisfaction and a life transformation. That's where, to me, the power of transformation occurs, is that is the indwelling of the presence of the Holy Spirit enough for me to turn my back on the things that Amen. I know God didn't make Amen. me for? And the answer to that is yes. And here's the other thing. Sometimes it's, it's harder than other times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can feel the rich indwelling of the Holy Spirit and there's nothing. But other times he feels distance. But here's the thing. It's not just about our feelings. Right. You know, it's about truth and embracing what Jesus reveals to us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if we can if we can correct the way that we think about what it means to be saved and try to talk in terms of putting the emphasis on a love relationship yes, yes. with Jesus who is always present, there is a, there's a, there's a, a change that happens that puts into perspective a lot of these issues. Like, yeah. is, is your relationship with Jesus more important than your sexual leanings and orientation. Right. And, 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 and that goes for people who are heterosexual, who have a temptation to commit adultery and right. lust. And is that the case for people who know that they shouldn't be desiring after people of the same sex? Because God's word plainly reveals it, that all should fade away. 
Yeah. Um, there's actually a quote in this room on the wall here from John Wesley that says, like as the wax melteth at the fire. Right. So before the sacred flame, all turbulent passions melt away. Wow. You know, can those turbulent passions melt away at the flame of that personal relationship with God that mm-hmm. I was created for? And so I think that's an important um and, and I, Charles I, Wesley says, "Let me." Uh, yep. Charles Wesley, you know, he breaks the power of canceled sin. Like that's something that's yeah. available. And this oh, image, that's a true good word, man. He you breaks have the power. Of it, sin. It's true. Like we can have, he cancels it, and then he breaks the power of it. Yeah, it's a powerful idea. Like we we sing that pretty quickly in in that hymn. Now, you're you're pointing to this idea of like that the relationship, a love relationship, being the primary metaphor in Scripture. This is a great emphasis of Dr. Dennis Kinlaw in his book. Let's start with Jesus. Yeah, and it let me let me just highlight that like what's happening there too is that's even a part of I believe why we are created as men and women, the complementary nature of the human bodies. Yeah. like what what is assumed by that is that in marriage itself. Yeah. Marriage, like, this is why we won't be married in eternity. I'm sorry, I, I said a few weeks ago that there will be dogs in heaven and maybe even your dog and that heaven's not going to be boring. But this marriage is ultimately a pointer to this covenant reality, that's this right. maritable, nut, nuptial theme that comes all throughout Scripture is helping us get And that's, I think, why this is so valuable. And that's why I believe, and I'm going to go as far as to say, why Satan is using sexuality and the beautiful gift of human sexuality as a way to thwart that image yeah. that helps us see what's going on, what, what's going to happen for eternity. Yeah. Okay, so I, we're, boy, we could go for a while here. I'll give you a chance to say one more thing in a second. I want to say, you're, like, you're fine. One, one more thing to, like, why I'm doing this. Like, why, well, why do I have this podcast in general? Well, I want to promote broad evangelical Wesleyan perspectives on a number of issues and teach on a number of issues and talk to key people. We have an interview coming out very soon with Oz Guinness, which is dynamite. Like he just blew me away. But at the same time, like I want to encourage people who are working through this process, particularly like our leaders who are having to balance very difficult things, not just the general or the chief of the staff or territorial commanders. I want to encourage those who are upholding orthodox convictions. And I also want to speak as gently as I can. Yeah to those who are working through questions, and also those who've come out on another side. So I want to be able to do this in a way that's clear and compassionate, but also give people an opportunity to have this conversation. And I feel like an obligation to represent the Orthodox Salvationist, Orthodox Wesleyan side. Matt, you have anything else you want to add before we close out? It's hard because there's <laughs> so many different issues at play. Yeah. And um, one of my biggest concerns, fears, I don't know if fear is the right word, is that people would feel unloved right. by the church. Thanks, and um, man, that's I dropped my kid off at, this morning. He's three. He's going to preschool, Ben, and he doesn't want to go to any cries, and he hates it right now, you know, but they always say, as soon as you leave, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. so hard, but I don't, the, my biggest concern is Buddy thinks I don't love him. Buddy thinks that, you yeah. know, yeah. That, that I want him to be in pain, and, and that is not the case. I think there's something better at play Amen. here. Yeah. I think there's something better at play here, and I think that... Um, and wouldn't you want us to share it if we believe this? Absolutely. Like, like, well, it's the same thing with the reality of hell. Like, okay, I believe in hell. And yeah. like, if I believe in the eternal punishment of the wicked, like that's ultimately going to lead me to a place where I'm going to say, like, I want what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. And we trust him. Like we trust God in the, in the matter. And, and so that's, I think that's my main comment is that I hate the idea that people would think that they're being rejected by the church or the church doesn't love them the way that they are. And that's just not true. Yes. That's, that's just not true. Uh, the issue is that God has spoken mm-hmm. and he's spoken with clarity throughout history and what he has said has been affirmed ecumenically, that is, by the whole church, yes. a common witness that this is what he says on, on this issue, and I'm going to bow to it no matter how much. I, I may not, whatever the issue is, I may not understand it or uh, uncomfortable it may be. Um, I trust that he loves us because he hung on a cross. Yeah. And I'm going to be as good as a steward as I can possibly be with the Holy Spirit's help of that truth. Right. And... Um, and so, and if you're interested in more on this subject, you can go to like a great book. His recent book that's come out in the last year is Dr. Tim Tennant's book for the Body, published by Zondervan and Seedbed. Also, like if you're really wanting to get into the textual stuff, like I would recommend going to Robert Gagnon's piece on that, or you know, and read widely. Like take a look, but understand like how people are approaching the Bible. Like as you as you read various texts, read. Um, Read some of the other books that have come out that have, like, come from a different perspective. Like, we, we're not saying, like, you have to just stick here with, with where we are. But we're trying to get to a place where we're ultimately leaving 
people to freedom. Yeah. And that's that's the challenge. I want to just pray for us right now. And um, before I do, Matt, is there anything else? I cut you off a second ago. Oh, no, no, yeah. not at all. Um, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, it's a tough issue. Thanks for sitting in here with us on this. And our thanks to Jeff for helping us make this happen uh, virtually and all the things that we're doing electronically. Um, I recognize that it might be people who are dealing with experiences that have led you to a place where you're questioning things. Like maybe it's something connected to your children. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or somebody's just changed your mind and that's causing you change. That's okay Like for us to get to this place of wondering. Like we believe God can meet us in the midst of our questioning. And that's why I want to pray for us that we'll have an opportunity to experience what God is saying to us in this moment. We're going to say that what he's saying, though, is not going to be inconsistent with his revelation in right. Scripture. Right. So, Jesus, we come to you now, and we recognize that there are sensitive things surrounding this conversation. And we don't want to um, speak too quickly, but we do feel led to speak. So I pray that you would help those who are working through these difficult issues, um, those who are experiencing sexual temptation on any front, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you convict and inspire and help people to live in victory today. I pray for institutions like the Salvation Army, Wesley Biblical Seminary. I'm going to throw in other institutions like Asbury University, uh, other groups like that, uh, OMS, the Nazarene Church, the Wesleyan Church. We pray for the Global Methodist Church and the United Methodist Church and all that's happening there. Lord, would you speak clearly into this situ cultural moment? Would you give us an opportunity to experience your grace and your holiness? And I pray, Lord, that as we access the power of the Holy Spirit, we would have the courage to speak in love to our culture, to our friends, and even to our institutions. Help those who are in leadership. We pray for the general of the Salvation Army, Lord, that you lead him and his leadership team. And we pray for those who are working through these challenging points, that they would be able to have clarity and that you would help your institutions to be faithful stewards of the faith once for all delivered to the saints. We say this to the glory of our triune God in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the More to the Story podcast. I'm really, really glad you've come along. Would you take a minute and share this? Even if you disagree with me, would you even start a conversation? Know that we're entering into this because we want to arrive at truth. So thank, our thanks to our sponsors and everybody who's come alongside of us. And we'd see you next time on More to the Story.